Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who he's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. We have come to the last portion of Acts, the 17th chapter. Just for a recap, I'm sure we can probably recite this as we've been going through to recap what's happening right now. And Paul and Silas are um, in Athens, which is a very uh, prominent philosophical region. To this day, we are quoting and a lot of our um, um, understanding of philosophy have come from this region in this time period. And we have Paul coming into this city, this metropolis, and basically coming to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who are very, very intelligent, very, very philosophical in their thinking. And as Paul comes into uh, Athens, he is basically seeing the sites of the city and starts to look at different idols that are built up and shrines that are built up to every God imaginable. Paul says, well, I can see that you guys are religious in every way, meaning you guys have an awareness of religion. You have a spirituality about you, um, but there's something missing. And I think this is what's been challenging us as well, that it's very easy to confuse being religious with having a relationship with God. It's very easy to get those confused and end up not really knowing God at all, but just knowing traditions and knowing religion. And traditions and religion are not going to cultivate a fruitful relationship with God. A lot of times religion and, and traditions create a hotbed for condemnation and guilt and shame and all these things that we have to do in an attempt to please God when... In essence, we're just pleasing each other or a system. So this is really the heart of it in the sense that Paul says that you guys are religious in every way. You know, you're trying to check off all the gods that are here. You're trying to make sure you're crossing every T, but you also created something that's interesting. There was one statue that they created and it was labeled to the unknown God. And this by chance was created because they were trying to make sure that they covered all their bases just in case I miss something in my spiritual life or what I should be doing, quote unquote, let me put this here for the unknown God. And Paul, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, begins to reveal the fact that the unknown God is actually the God that supersedes all the other gods that they were serving. And in them understanding the unknown God, they would in turn find out what they have been seeking for in the first place. So Paul, in the 30th, a verse of 17, and this is the New Living Translation, and I'll read it from here. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak these speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So the question that we're going to answer 
that we've been seeking to understand this entire series is, who exactly is this unknown God? Have we come into a greater understanding of who the unknown God actually is? This is one of the, one of the biggest points of contention, I think, when it comes to the Christian faith. The unknown God is Jesus Christ. And in order for us to understand the God of creation, we must understand the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? So there are some aspects that the Bible teaches us that corroborates the fact that Jesus was not just a man. Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, this whole series of unknowing God is supposed to show us the heart of God towards us. And in order for us to understand the heart of God towards us, God has to show us his heart. God has to show us who he is. And what better way to show us who he is than to put on some skin and to come down and live amongst us and relate to us in a way that we can relate to so that we can both be known and know him better. This, is, this was God's idea. So Colossians 1.16 says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, Jesus Christ, and for him. So the first thing that we have to understand about Jesus is that Jesus is the creator. Okay. Jesus is the creator. Okay, so now watch this. We have to go back to Genesis 1 and 1. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? First verse in the Bible, most powerful verse in the Bible, the origin of all things. In the beginning, the origin of eternity, God created the origin of earth and time, the heavens and the earth. Okay? Now, in that text, that word God is the Hebrew word Elohim. And Elohim there means triune God. So that's the Father, that's God the Son, and that's God the Holy Spirit. That's the triune God, the Godhead created the heavens and the earth. So Colossians corroborates this by telling us, for in him all things were created. Heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, this is, this is a really like deep concept to think about. The fact that, yes, God is, in a sense, collaborating with himself to create all things. Now, this is a mystery here. John 8, 58 says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So in order for us to understand and appreciate God, we must understand and appreciate and give Jesus the identity that he wants us to, to know him by. When you look at the New Testament, a lot of times when Jesus said things that would, that, that would make him equal with God, they would want to stone him. Various instances in the Bible where Jesus would be walking and doing his, his earthly mission, and he would say things to corroborate the fact that he, in turn, is God. One of these instances is found in John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, if you remember, in Exodus, 
when God wants to introduce himself to the Israelites. God wants to introduce himself to the world, and Moses is called to do that. Moses asked is, okay, well, I mean, who should I say sent me? Because you're sending me to go to Pharaoh right now, but who should they say you are? And God basically tells him, tell the people that I am who I am. God calling himself I am that I am is the most present and eternal state that someone could be in. And this is how God wanted to be known by the enemies of Israel, but also to all of us. And Jesus basically quotes this by saying, before Abraham was, I am, and calls himself the I am. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, he is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Now I want to pause here real quick because it is imperative to see the connection between your relationship with Jesus Christ and your understanding of God. The whole purpose of Christ coming into the world was for us to be able to understand who God in his godness really, truly is. And that can only be revealed through the example and the life that Christ has lived for us to see and witness and experience. So he is the image of the invisible God. Now think about this, because we always say this, that God wants to be found. And in, the in this 17th chapter, Paul tells us that God is not far from any of us. God's mission is to reveal himself to you during the course of your life. God wants to be found. God wants to be known. Jesus is the image of God. Christ is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1, 3 through 4, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So what is God like? Look at Jesus. What is God's heart towards the issues of this world? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. How does God feel about how we should treat our brother? How, how, how we should love one, how we should forgive? Look at Jesus. How should I live in my marriage? Look at Jesus. All these things God has created through Christ, an image for us, an imprint for us, to understand not only who God is, but what he's like, what his nature is like, what his character is like, and most of all, how he feels about mankind. Whether you have a relationship with Christ or not, God's character towards mankind is no matter how depraved mankind is, God's love creates a way for us to be redeemed by him. So whenever we feel like, oh, God don't love me, God don't care about me, how, 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 how can we realistically say that if we're looking at Christ the right way? If we understand the message of the gospel, how can we look at God like other than a loving God that would go to any length to be known by us? That even if it meant from coming from eternity down into this sin-sick world, putting on skin just like you and me, and dying for us so that we could have a relationship with him. 
there's no greater love than that. So he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. We cannot minimize Christ to just the man and human side of who he is. Because it wasn't the human side that saved us. It was the godness of Christ that made it possible for us to be saved. So the idea of understanding how high Christ is, how much more superior he is than the angels, how much more superior his name is, that he is the word of God personified. And we'll get into that. So Jesus was an inherited name. The name means savior. So Jesus is being defined by who he came to be for us. So if Jesus is God, then God is savior. Revelations 22, 13 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There you go. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am the beginning. There's nobody before me. I am the end. There's nobody coming after me. First and the last, the beginning and the end. First John 5 and 20. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. And this is talking about Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So the Bible is saying that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. So there is no eternal life without Jesus because Jesus is God. Okay. So first we're acknowledging him as creator. That in all things, Christ created. Second thing is Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word. This is John 1, 1 through 3. And it's a lot of scripture. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Okay. So we remember Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, right? The Godhead created the heavens and the earth. Jesus' name wasn't Jesus in heaven. Jesus' earthly name is Jesus. He was known as the Son of God. He was known in heaven as the Word of God. Where is that found? Revelations 19 and 13. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. So let's, let's, let's go back to eternity past. Let's go back to heaven before things were created, right? The thing about God's characteristic is God cannot be separated from what he says. God is what he says. That's what truth is, right? Truth is when you tell the truth, the truth that comes out of your mouth can be corroborated to you. There's no wavering in what you say because what you say is you. God speaks and the word is performed as God has spoken it. Jesus Christ is known as the word of God. So let's go back to John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word. So in the beginning was what God said, the word, right? 
and the word was with God. Jesus is with God. And the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is really the heart of Christianity, and this is the heart of the gospel, and it's the heart of understanding why Jesus is so important, and why over 2,000 years later, there is still a religion that, that is being debated, and there is still this person, quote-unquote, that is being controversially either uh, defamed, mocked in society, because he's God. Because Jesus is God. He is the word of God. And all things are made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And I think this series is, is powerful because it, it really speaks to the unknownness of, like the parts of God that we don't know and the parts of God that are fought for us to know. See, there's, there's aspects of Christ that the shame of keeping our light on and the shame that comes with representing Christ there's an unknownness that is that that is a real temptation for Christians in this day. In your walk with God, if you be honest and you be really transparent, there are some environments that you go into where you don't feel like Jesus matches. Or the name of Christ will cause you controversy or it's polarizing or, or whatever. And, and what, what you have to see that is uh, the, the magnitude to which God has gone to reveal himself to us should be appreciated in the fact that Christ was that magnitude. That Christ coming down is the very image and nature of God. So if you don't know Jesus, then there's no way to know God. Because Jesus is the way that God created for us to understand him. And think about the fact that we said God wants to be found. If God wants to be found then wouldn't he make himself known? Like if God really wants to be found by us, would, wouldn't it be helpful if he came in our own, came in our situation? Like if he really wanted to be known, wouldn't it make sense for him to step in our shoes and feel our temptations and go through our griefs and understand what it feels like to be me? This is the God that we're serving. The God that came down and died for us, and lived for us, and served for us, and loved for us, and got persecuted for us, so that we might understand how far God's grace goes, so that we might understand how deep God's love runs. This image of the sacrifice, this image of the pain, this image of the heart, the giving, this image of the sacrifice and selflessness, that is the image of God. The exact imprint and nature of God, Jesus is God. Titus uh, 2.13 says this, waiting for our blessed hope. What's our blessed hope when we get to heaven? And the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is replete with examples of sharing to us that Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is this unknown God. Jesus, yeah, the Jesus that was walking around. Yeah, Jesus that's controversial. Yeah, the, the Jesus that's polarizing. Yeah, the Jesus who stands for things that other people don't stand for. The Jesus that, that, that causes you and encourages you to live a life that's pleasing, uh, that's holy. 
that, that Jesus that challenges our character and our sinful nature, that Jesus, that is, it, it's, it's, it's beyond a religious thing. It's beyond a church thing. It's beyond a tradition thing. This is a relationship thing. Jesus is God. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now listen to that. Listen to that. This scripture is talking about Jesus, and the Bible is calling him by several names. He shall be called. He shall be known as a wonderful counselor. He shall be known as a mighty God. He shall be known as everlasting father. He shall be known as Prince of Peace. So the question there is, even understanding how, how well we know Jesus, like can we say that we know Jesus as a mighty God? H have we been able to connect the dots and understand Jesus as everlasting father? And see the connection between the two. Certainly we can relate to and appreciate Christ as the Prince of Peace. Matthew 1, 23 tells us, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And, and I hope we can see like the prevailing theme here, like God with us, God for us, God in us. God wanting to be close to each of us, but not just close and unknown. He wants to be close and known. And the way he is known is through his imprint, through his nature, in the image of the invisible God, who is Jesus Christ. The whole purpose and the whole heart of God towards us in getting to know him better is to understand that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, this may be controversial to some that may be listening, but to understand the God of creation, to understand and corroborate the fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, we must also see the connection and the fact that the only way we will know that or would know that is through the revelation of Jesus Christ. God has made it that way for us to understand him, that he's the very image and heart and personification. And the Bible says that he is also the fullness of God in a human body. So if you need to know what God is like in human flesh, that's Jesus. And it's not like an example of God. It's not like a clone of God or a replica of God. Jesus is God. The essence of Christ is God. So this is why when you have a relationship with Jesus, automatically you'll be getting to know God better. But if Jesus in your life is competing with everything else and your knowledge of Christ and your knowledge of the word and your appreciation and awareness of Christ's presence in your life and his reality, that's going to directly affect your relationship and understanding and receptivity of all that God has for us. Jesus is the only way to God. He is the only way to heaven. What is the Bible saying? John 8 and 24. Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. 
unless you believe that I am the image of God, unless you believe that I am the imprint of God, that I am the nature of God, there's no answer for sin. Because I'm the answer for sin. I'm the answer for salvation. I'm the answer for forgiveness. God does not want us to miss him. Philippians 2.13 says, it's God that works in us both to will and to do what he calls us to do. So God is actually wanting to participate in your life to help you make it to heaven. God wants to participate in your life to help heal relationships in your life. God wants to participate in your life so that you can be with him. And the way he's done it is giving us an example through Christ. So 1 Timothy 2 and 5 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, that we can relate to, that we can touch. Jesus that wept. Jesus that had friends that died and cried. Jesus that was beaten and bloodied. Jesus that felt rejected. Jesus that felt made fun of, that was insulted. Jesus who also experienced loneliness and abandonment. Jesus who knows what it is to grow up without a father. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. So, in essence, understanding salvation means understanding that God loves you so much, that he cares for you so much, that he will take the burdens of your sins because he knows that you can't do it yourself. And this is why Christ is so important, because Christ actually creates a liberation in our walk with the Lord. The more you understand how much Christ loves you, how much he's forgiven you, the more you'll be able to embrace what it means to see and appreciate a loving God. That no matter where you are in your life, it doesn't matter, regardless of your state, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of anything that's going on in your life, there is always redemption. There is always ways to be forgiven. There's always life. There is always an opportunity to know God better, but it's only able to happen through Christ. There's no salvation in anyone else other than Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Salvation in the end means that you do not have to die without God. That you do not have to die in your sins. You don't have to die without having a relationship with the Lord because Christ conquered death. And we, and we, we can go into this, and, and I know we don't have enough time to really go into the depth of what this is because this is very theologically heavy. But it's my prayer that as we've gone through this series and we have gone through the different aspects of Acts chapter 17 and understanding God and understanding how untouchable God is, how holy God is, how sinless and perfect God is, and then in turn, how imperfect we are and how impulsively imperfect we are, that the only way we can really have a genuine relationship with the Lord is through a relationship with Christ, who is both creator and who is also God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This, this whole thing 
this, this whole thing is about God showing his love to all of us. For you to discover who God really is. That's why God is all up in your business. That's why God is chasing us down a lot of times. That, that's, that's why, because he, he, wants, he wants us to be with him. He doesn't want us to experience the life that he created for us without him. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows how much he loves you, that even when you weren't thinking about him, he created a way for one day for you to by chance discover him. So in essence, when you weren't thinking about God, he was thinking about you. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.